the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Tim DeMoshio podcast. You can hear the program each weekday afternoon from 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and WFIL.com. Good afternoon. It is 4.02 and you're listening to the Tim DeMoshio on AM 560 WFIL and WFIL.com. Thank you for tuning in. Cloudy skies ahead this evening, low dropping down to 10. Tomorrow, staying cloudy, rain likely later in the day, and right into Thursday, at least the first part of it. Tomorrow's high up to 46, so it'll be a little easier than today. Today is certainly better than yesterday. Still on the chilly side, though. Thursday, we may get up to 50, though. Keep an eye out for that. Sixers uh, with a nice win last night over Houston, 121-93. Joel Embiid leading the way with 32. James Harden for the Rockets scored 37 points. It's 20 games in a row that Harden has scored at least 30 points, which ties in with Wilt Chamberlain, who's the only other player to ever have such a streak in his history. Wilt Chamberlain actually did it four different times, including, I think, back in the early 60s, Wilt scored 30-plus points in a game 65 times in a row or something. It's unbelievable. But uh, Harden having... One of the greatest uh, seasons in recent history. Uh, so that's a cool thing there. Flyers are off till next week. And today, as we shift gears, a couple of cool things happening and just uh, taking time to celebrate life. Today is National Sanctity of Human Life Day. January overall is National Sanctity of Human Life Month. Uh, today is also the anniversary of Roe v. Wade. So uh, we're going to have a little bit of a theme in that direction today. Um, want to remind you before we get into things, we continue our partnership with Preborn, where they provide ultrasounds for free to uh, women who are pregnant and young girls too, um, absolutely free of cost to them. It's simple and beautiful and powerful. $28 covers the cost of one, $140 would cover the cost of five. Uh, some people can be, if you, if you choose to be a monthly preborn sponsor, they'll actually send you an ultrasound every month of the child whose life you're stepping into and being a blessing to. And in a nutshell, what preborn's hoping to do is just have a, a woman be able to see her baby and hear her baby's heartbeat. And just that simple opportunity goes a very long way. They've found that most women, if they just can have that opportunity, they're much more likely to keep their child. So um, we're asking folks to help out this month, today. I can't think of a better day out of the entire month to step up and help out. It's uh, simple. It's a toll-free number, 833-850-BABY, 833-850-BABY, which is 2229. Or if you go to WFIL.com, can't miss it. Right in the homepage, there's a, a pre-born banner. You can click right through. And, again, anything you do is great. I love it personally when an individual helps out you know, a little bit. I'd rather have lots of people doing a little bit than less people doing a lot. Whatever guy wants, I'm good with, but uh, don't think it's somebody else. Hopefully you step in and say, okay, I'll do one, I'll do two, I'll do five, whatever it might be. And it all adds up. By the way, our overall goal of providing an ultrasound a day for this year, and a little bit more, our overall goal is actually 400 for the year. We're over halfway there now. So we had a slow start, but it's picking up. 
we had a half a dozen folks or so. Just I have a couple of people to thank here as the show rolls along. So join that list if you would and help us get to that goal before the end of uh, next week when you know, January wraps up. Before we go, uh, so that said, I want to bring in our first guest here, Dan Bartkoyak. He is with the Pennsylvania Family Institute. I want to bring him in today on National Sanctity of Human Life Day. Hello, Dan. Hello, Tim. Thanks so much for having me. Sure. Thanks for uh, being on the program today. You've been with the PA Family Institute for how long? It has been about 11 years wow. uh, coming up uh, right out of, out of school, and I've just appreciated the opportunity with the organization and just growing and meeting so many people around the state. Uh, it's been a, a great experience for me. Yeah. Well, today's the uh, anniversary of Roe v. Wade, and we can mm-hmm. get into that a little bit. And uh, we're working with an organization called Preborn that helps provide free ultrasounds. Um, so that's a, a, a affirming life in that kind of a way. But before we talk about any of that, um, just share a little bit what, what PA Family Institute does and, uh, and then how it, it pertaining to Sanctity of Human Life Month and uh, certainly today, National Sanctity of Human Life Day. Yeah, well, th- yeah, thanks for that. And, and Pennsylvania Family Institute uh, is uh, going to be celebrating our, our 30th year uh, as, as an organization. Uh, it's been based in Harrisburg, statewide organization, really just trying to fight, especially when it comes to life. Um, we uh, look to see Pennsylvania uh, as a place where life is cherished, as well as uh, families thrive, religious freedom flourishes, and uh, life is, uh, again, life is cherished. Um, we uh, have uh, been uh, somewhat affiliated with uh, Focus on the Family. Um, we sure. started about family policy councils. There's about 40 from around the country, and so we are the one for Pennsylvania. Okay. And we, we engage, you know, especially with policies, you know, when it comes to different uh, laws being proposed, uh, what we look at, good and bad for families. Uh, we try to engage with media outlets uh, like yourself to just inform more families about what is going on. And, and then we have various programs that we put on. Uh, we have a summer uh, youth co- conference called City on the Hill. We have a family choice scholarship program to help families choose the best education for their child. So a variety of different things that we get involved in. Yeah. And again, uh, I've been thankful to do it for 30 years. I was just uh, four years old when it was 30 years starting, but I'm thankful that there's been a, a voice for families, especially in Harrisburg, yeah. uh, when it comes to these issues. Dan Barkoyak is our guest from the Pennsylvania Family Institute. You mentioned Focus on the Family. They, they have a program on our, our station every morning, 7 o'clock, uh, and a long history with WFIL. So it's, it's neat to have that connection made. And, uh, and the word life that you mentioned there, you know, obviously from what you just described, it's a pretty wide net life, not just about the unborn, but also you know, quality of life, too, and what you're experiencing Correct. once you're out there, right? Absolutely. I think you know, when you look at the issue... Uh, I think you have to uh, look at life from conception to natural death. Um, and there are issues on, on a variety of those fronts uh, when it comes to policies being proposed in Harrisburg. And so we often uh, will engage with uh, our elected officials uh, to try to see uh, both things that they would like to do uh, to enhance our laws, but then also when they see some lawmakers proposing bills that might uh, you know, negatively impact how we view life. Um, I mean, we look at the, the Pennsylvania Abortion Control Act talks about how the public policy of the Commonwealth should be to encourage childbirth over abortion. And so I think, you know, even just based on that law, you know, our, our elected officials should absolutely be looking to uh, extend to the unborn, as it says in the law as well, uh, to further the public policy encouraging childbirth over abortion. And that's what we have been about, and especially, you know, frankly, when we look at it from conception, trying to enhance our laws to save lives, to try to see 
uh, life protected in the state. And then, and then especially, you know, we, we're, we are seeing laws, whether it's a physician-assisted suicide, um, different aspects when it comes to, you know, end of life, um, you know, trying to, to make sure that life is protected really at all stages. Yeah. Dan Barkowiak uh, is with us from the Pennsylvania Family Institute. It's, meant, it's interesting what you just said there, that the, that the law itself actually states that we should further efforts to encourage childbirth it, you know, it doesn't come across that way. You, I guess the, you ask the average person, they would think that laws about abortion is, is so, it's such a t- obviously a, t- a sensitive subject that it would be more about the, the mother's rights. You hear a lot about that rather than the advancement of human life in general. But it's in the, apparently in the law then, you're saying. Yeah, it's right. Uh, I mean, Pennsylvania Abortion Control Act was passed in 1989, so it's, uh, there are aspects certainly that we uh, like to, to enhance in the state, but it, it specifically states they want to, quote, to extend to the unborn the equal protection of the laws and to further the public policy of this commonwealth, encouraging childbirth over abortion. Wow. Uh, so we, we certainly are trying to, to see that happen, uh, well, ways that we can encourage childbirth, encourage these lives being saved yeah. versus, you know, seeing them being aborted. Over the 11 years you've been there, has there been much of a shift one way or the other in terms of acceptance or in terms of where the laws are headed? Um, the pressure, so to speak, one way or the other? Yeah, that's a good question. I know over the years, um, I know one thing that has made a, a big impact um, when it came to, to the really just uh, the, the grotesque of the discovery with, with Kermikaz now, um, you yeah. know, that what initially comes to mind is uh, there was uh, laws that were put in place to say that an abortion clinic should not be, uh, you know, not inspected. Uh, you know, there were there were nail salons that were more inspected than abortion clinics at the mm-hmm. time. And, and so by putting abortion clinic regulations in place, it made these clinics say, you're performing surgery, you should follow the same rules as every other surgical facility. And through that, um, it, it, it essentially it closed five clinics uh, uh, that didn't adhere to that standard. Um, and then even recently there was a clinic in Harrisburg that shut down because of the inspections that happened. So. So I guess when you look at that, I think we're improving, hopefully, laws uh, here in the state that more uh, look to protect life. And so we've seen uh, there have been seven abortion clinics that have closed, uh, 12 clinics of, of Planned Parenthood that have shut down, uh, 11 of them are, are feeder clinics, of, uh, if, if you will, um, and, and one was a clinic in Easton that closed it performed the lowest amount of abortions for Planned Parenthood. But, um, but you're seeing some of these clinics closing, and... You know, life is starting to be protected. There, there are still, on average, about 30,000 abortions that happen in the state. Uh, it is down uh, from in years past. Uh, so in my time here, it is, you know, about maybe five, 6,000, you know, babies that used to be killed. Uh, it looks like it's, it, it is getting smaller. And I think a part of that is seeing these clinics closing and seeing uh, really, frankly, common sense regulations put in place, like the abortion clinic regulations to make them follow the rules as any other surgical uh, facility. Yeah. Uh, but then there's also other battles. We've tried to, to enhance uh, our policies, especially, you know, marking that, that no taxpayer should, should uh, pay for abortions, um, and then trying to recently try to see some updates in the law. For instance, not having late-term abortions, something that Governor Wolf uh, vetoed this past legislative session, uh, would have said that, you know, abortion has to stop at 20 weeks uh, when you have children being born at 21, 22 weeks and surviving, um, we have laws in place that you can abort that baby at the same time. And that's just 
absurd, frankly. Mm. And, and he vetoed so, that. It was going to be cut off at 20 weeks, and he vetoed that. Is that what you're Yeah, okay. uh, there was uh, Senate Bill 3 last session, and uh, so he uh, uh, had, had passed through uh, really bipartisan, uh, overwhelming support um, in the House and in the Senate. And, um, and then in uh, December 2017, um, Governor Wolf vetoed the legislation. Dan Barkowiak is uh, with the Pennsylvania Family Institute. We need to take a short break. We'll continue our chat with him. It's National Sanctity of Human Life Day. Also looking forward to bringing in our guest, Matthew Newell, who's the director of the Family Hope Center. And I have a special story to share with you. We'll be calling in from Denmark in about 15, 20 minutes. So we'll chat with him about uh, our daughter, Tori Joy, who becomes a teenager tomorrow. She has a special story. We're going to share that with you as well. It's coming up on the Tim DeMoss Show, AM 560 WFIL and WFIL.com. You're listening to a podcast of the Tim DeMoss Show, heard weekday afternoons 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. 417 AM 560 WFIL, WFIL.com. Continuing our conversation with Dan Barkowiak with the Pennsylvania Family Institute. Wanted to kind of, uh, you know, talk about the laws and, and those are good to have. In terms of stuff people can be for in everyday life or other ways to express being for life, you were, for example, last Friday was the uh, March for Life, right? I uh, was joined with. Uh, there was over a hundred buses from Pennsylvania, uh, wow. one of them uh, that headed down to the march, and so it was just tremendous to see the display of support for defending life um, at the march. I mean, I I stood at the start of the march, and it was about ninety minutes at least of just waves of people down uh, uh, the road uh, marching to the Supreme Court. Um, it was just a sight to see how many uh, people, especially young folks, that were there. High school, college, you know, it just was it was amazing to see. Uh, the young movement that's there. But that certainly, I think it does show that there is uh, support uh, nationwide um, for defending life, people that are taking the time to go down to D.C. and make that statement. Um, so that's certainly one example. But, you know, as I mentioned, I, you know, especially with the, the policies we've engaged in, uh, you know, some of these laws that have passed previously and ones that we're uh, you know, trying to fight right now, um, it's because of people getting involved. You know, it's, we, we as an organization try to be a, a voice for families and try to let folks know about what's happening. But if it's just us, then we're, we're not going to have success. It's going to be the, the team effort of people from Philadelphia to Harrisburg to Pittsburgh, Erie, to, uh, you know, State College, you know, throughout the state that are engaging, you know, especially one, way, and one aspect with lawmakers, uh, yeah. to say that there are laws that we could pass that would enhance Pennsylvania, that would update our laws to better enhance, and, and especially, yeah, pointing at the, the, again, Abortion Control Act, saying uh, we should be encouraging childbirth over abortion. So there's ways that we should be doing that here in Pennsylvania, and by people joining up and being a part of that, that's what's going to make it happen. PAFamily.org is how folks can stay in touch with you. Uh, Dan, you mentioned also Beaver Stadium. I'm thinking, you know, you mentioned State College. I went to Penn State. Managed, okay. Uh, managed to squeeze four years into six. and uh, <laughs> But I've been to many of those uh, football games when the town doubles in size. 100,000 oh, yeah. people come yep. into town. And uh, it's an exciting time. And, the, and every, every, all the restaurants stay open until 3 in the morning. Everything's later because <laughs> it, you know, it's accommodating all these people. Oh, but yeah. there's a there's a kind of a sad graphic, and just, just to drive home the point, to put in perspective, the number of abortions performed in Pennsylvania is enough to fill Beaver Stadium 18 or plus times over. Yeah, it, it's truly sad. We we uh, are highlighting in, in this year, 2019, Pennsylvania will surpass two million abortions performed since Roe v. Wade. So 46 years, 
and we are going to be uh, seeing over 2 million abortions. And as you mentioned, yes, I've, I've been to Beaver Stadium. It's amazing to see a packed stadium there, how many people are there. And then the picture, not just one of those stadiums, but 18, and that even still wouldn't add up to the number of abortions, the number of babies that have been killed here in Pennsylvania. Also, to put it in perspective, um, that the, the amount of abortions that have happened in Pennsylvania uh, is more than the populations of Philadelphia and Pittsburgh combined. And it's just alarming to see. So we, we did, uh, as an organization, Pennsylvania Family Institute, put a petition uh, on our website. Abortion is two million too many for Pennsylvania. And it's trying to get in touch with our, our especially state elected officials when it comes to the policies, when it comes to trying to encourage childbirth over abortion. Two million is too many. There needs to be ways that we can enhance our laws uh, to better protect life. I encourage folks to, to go, to, again, the website pafamily.org and uh, they can sign a petition to, to, to say that two million is too many and uh, trying to enhance, you know, uh, laws to, to hopefully save lives, you know, here in the state. Yeah. Dan Barkowiak, been our guest from the Pennsylvania Family Institute, and again, their website, pafamily.org, and that's a practical way, right, to people keep a, if they want to be like, well, what do I do, or how do we keep up on things, because, you know, the world's so splintered with where people can get their information, would you, would you, do you guys keep things pretty current, and here's the latest on this and that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I appreciate, you know, I was, I was talking with a gentleman yesterday, and, and he mentioned how, you know, often when you watch, you know, the news, and you can shake your head and say, oh, there's, you know, we can't do anything about this. Um, but, you know, when we engage and look at the issues we're involved in, you know, he's saying, I'm glad that there's, there's somebody standing up for, for us and, and having things to be able to do to get involved in. And I know many folks are doing many good things. And so what we're trying to do is highlight some of the things that you can get a part of. And, and so, yes, we try to, to update. We're, we're just starting the legislative session, you know, here in Pennsylvania. So when it comes to policy uh, work, um, certainly there are uh, things that can be coming uh, up soon. Um, there's, uh, fr- frankly, even one to, to point out, uh, there's uh, uh, legislation that should be reintroduced soon uh, called the Down Syndrome Protection Act. Uh, so it looks at our, our laws to say that, a Down syndrome should not be a reason for an abortion. Um, so when a child is diagnosed with Down syndrome in the womb, they should not be, frankly, targeted. Uh, medical professionals looking to target them for an abortion uh, based on that diagnosis. That shouldn't happen in Pennsylvania. And so the Down Syndrome Protection Act would put in the law uh, that uh, that should not be uh, a reason. Right now, Pennsylvania is one of eight states to say that you can't say, uh, oh, I wanted a girl instead of a boy, I want an abortion. Uh, right now, that's illegal in Pennsylvania. Um, so this would add to that exception to say that Down syndrome should not be a reason for an abortion. So really? that's one example of, of things that we'll highlight on our website and uh, connecting with us. Um, you know, anytime those types of uh, legislation comes up, we, we try to engage on that. Um, and then just various, you know, certainly people that are getting into, uh, involved with pregnancy care centers. And uh, we, we try to have some advocacy work um, just to, you know, enhance kind of the quality of life when it comes to talking about these issues. And yeah. Do that. So. Dan, let me ask you a quick question. We wrap up here. Sure. Uh, I have Absolutely. a daughter who is um, uh, going to turn 13 tomorrow. And okay. she is severely disabled. She's come a tremendously long way. And we, it never once crossed our minds to not have her. We didn't actually know anything was really wrong uh, for uh, really a month or two. Um, but my wife didn't, knew, didn't feel right, the pregnancy and all that. But had we known, uh, just to, just on that topic, legally right now, if somebody finds out that their child has some kind of disability, is that uh, is there a protection for that or not a protection for that? Well, sadly, when you look at the, our, our state of uh, abortion law, 
uh, you can have an abortion up to 24 weeks in pregnancy. That's six months uh, into pregnancy. And it's for really any reason, uh, except at least specifically in the law, to say that you cannot have, uh, based on the gender of the baby, uh, an abortion. But as so long as you don't say that, like if you didn't correct, pop that out, right. it could still happen, right? Exactly. So it's really when it comes to if a woman specifically tells that, that abortionist or uh, her doctor that she's getting this abortion because she wanted a boy and is having a girl, um, then there would be some, some action that could be taken. But, but certainly, yes, um, if, if no reason is given, um, you know, a woman can go in up to six months in pregnancy, which is okay. just crazy, and have an abortion. And so, so we're trying to really look at that when it comes to a baby, you know, you know any, any type of disability. Is that a reason to be having, you know, an abortion? And specifically when it came to this, this issue of Down syndrome, yeah. uh, there was a country in Iceland uh, came out. CBS News uh, stated that Iceland is eradicating Down syndrome, and it's because they're aborting every child when they have that diagnosis. And that does not make your country better yeah. when you say that you're going to weed out people just because of a disability. Right. And you look at the lives of people that live with, with Down syndrome, and I'm sure even your daughter yourself, just the uh, amazing life that they live and the, the joy that they bring to your family. Oh, yeah. um, you know, trying to, to get more people aware of that. So we're trying to, to share more stories of people um, with Down syndrome, families that have a, um, a son or daughter uh, with Down syndrome, to try to highlight, you know, just the impact that they make on their family, their community. And so that's what we've been doing uh, for almost a year now. Well, conversely uh, then, Dan, conversely then, that that actually would be, if you can get Down syndrome added, that becomes the slippery slope in the right direction. <laughs> well, you know, it is trying to just look, you know, when it comes to the uh, what is life. And, and so, you know, certainly we're trying to advocate that, uh, again, you know, life begins at conception and trying to advocate for, for life at all stages. Yeah, right. Um, but I think we can build to that. You know, we have a culture that, you know, when we have a, a governor that wants to increase abortions and, 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 and to veto legislation that says we shouldn't, you know, be aborting babies at 23 weeks. Um, you know, we have that, that uh, to overcome. Right. And so I think by, by having these ways to highlight life at these stages, you know, sure. in particular with, with Down syndrome, late-term abortion. I think it's things that we certainly can build upon. And, and, and when is that coming to uh, coming into play? The, the, yeah, uh, there, it hasn't been formally introduced. Again, we're, we're just at the start of the legislative session, and okay. it's a two-year session, so the 2019-2020 legislative session. Okay. Uh, but there is certainly talk of right at the start of the session, uh, perhaps in, in this next month in February, uh, have an introduction of the legislation and some activities in Harrisburg to try to try to build up support for it. So yeah. it was something that we engaged in last uh, session, passed bipartisan overwhelmingly. It was a veto-proof in the House, and uh, no vote was taken in the Senate, uh, unfortunately. And so now really what uh, I think some are trying to do is to say right at the start of the session, hey, let's get this done. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, try to, uh, to say that, you know, Down syndrome is a life worth living, uh, life per- worth protecting. Um, and, and so trying to pass this law to, to speak to the culture, especially those that when they receive a diagnosis of Down syndrome, that that is something not to be uh, scared of, um, to, to, to try to uh, say that, that life should be protected when given that diagnosis right. and given the resources, help, you know, to families, you know, when it comes to that diagnosis. Dan, thank you so much for taking time today on uh, National uh, Sanctity of Human Life Day and then the month as well. It's uh, good to get some updates in these ways. And uh, Well, thank you, Tim. Yeah. Thanks for all you're doing and, and speaking to these issues. You know, I'm 
appreciative of just families that are you know listening in and you know listening to your show all the time that just try to enhance you know their their uh, life and, and 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 what's happening in the state. So I appreciate the time. Absolutely, Dan Barkowiak from the Pennsylvania Family Institute. One more time, their website pafamily.org. Short break, and then another family organization going to join us, Matthew Newell specifically. He's the director from the Family Hope Center, which has played an integral role in the daughter uh, development, I should say, of our daughter Tori's life. Matthew's joined the program before. He'll be calling in from Denmark shortly, so we'll work him into the program just after this break here on AM560, WFIL, and WFIL.com. Thanks for tuning in to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast with AM560, WFIL, and WFIL.com. AM 560 WFIL, it's 431, the Tim DeMoss Show. We're going down to 10 tonight with cloudy skies. Uh, Staying cloudy most of tomorrow right into Thursday. Warming up, though, tomorrow's high 46 and Thursday's high 50. Sixers over Houston last night, 121-93. Joel Embiid leading the way with 32. Today is National Sanctity of Human Life Day. Don't forget, January is National Sanctity of Human Life Month. And we're partnered with Preborn this month to help provide free ultrasounds. We are more than halfway to the goal, which is excellent. Thanks to all who have helped out. 833-850-BABY. If you want to help out, 833-850-BABY. $28 provides one ultrasound. 140 provides five. Our goal is 400. We're more than halfway there. Jump on board if you would. 833-850-BABY. Or you can go to WFIL.com and click the preborn banner. So uh, there are different ways to be pro-life. Today is the anniversary of Roe v. Wade. So we've been focusing on that aspect of things and the unborn. But there are other ways to be pro-life. And those, those worlds overlap sometimes. Uh, as our guest previously, Dan, was talking about, there really aren't any laws uh, that, that would prohibit. If you have a child that, you can, oh, there's a special needs situation. Maybe you don't, you don't want to get into all that. Uh, that you can actually uh, abort your child, and um, in any case, that was never a, that was never a situation for us. We didn't know our daughter Tori was going to have as many challenges as she had, uh, but I am so grateful that number one that we had her, that God put her in our home, and also very grateful as part of this story. I'm bringing in now Matthew Newell. He is the director of the Family Hope Center, uh, in based in Norristown, Pennsylvania. Hello, Matthew. Hi, Tim. How are you? Wonderful. Thank you for taking yeah, time. Happy to... birthday to Tori. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for, for calling in all the way from Denmark. What time is it for you right now? It's about 1030 at night. We had a great clinical day. Saw a lot of children, and uh, we just we just finished wrapping up today. So it's it's been awesome. That's great. Well, you, you uh, have been doing this for many, many years, traveling the world, and uh, I'm so, we're so grateful. It was part of Tori's story as we pause and get ready for her to turn 13 tomorrow to think. We met you mm-hmm. when Tori was uh, three months old, four months old. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you and Carol and the whole team walked with us for many years. Very grateful for that. Mm. Yes, I, it was a privilege for us, and uh, she, has, she has great spirit, and so does your family. Your whole, I saw your whole family work together, and um, your boys and your daughters and... Um, it's a, it's a you you your family is pretty incredible as they they shepherd little Tori and um, she's quite a person right now. She's, <laughs> <laughs> well, I can tell you this. Yeah, she's awesome. I can tell you this, Matthew. When 
Tori turned one. She almost died that year when she was six months old. A lot of other challenges. Mm -hmm. I remember looking Mm -hmm. at Tina and she looked at me and we both thought, we both kind of exhaled like, wow, she made it to one. (laughs) And now we're on the cusp of her being our newest teenager, which gives us reason again, pause, be grateful to God for his provision, including Mm. the countless people who have played a role in her life. And uh, you're one of the the main folks who's been such a a positive influence and life-giving, really. Uh, I know you love the Lord, but the work you do with the Family Hope Center also goes beyond that. You you help families, regardless of where they're coming from in terms of their belief in the Lord or not, uh, by, you know, helping, helping folks go to the root of the challenges. And uh, you have a conference coming up when you get back to the States in March. Uh, I think it's the 13th through the 15th. Folks can find out more about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I could ask, if, if you would do me a favor, we could walk back in time a little bit. I just want to give people an example mm-hmm. of what the Family Hope Center is about. Three specific ways, what we were experiencing with Tori and what you and the team came alongside us and recommended instead and how that played out. Um, one specific area, when Tori was born, just to tell folks who were tuning in, Tori, uh, her pregnancy was a little off. We didn't really know anything was wrong. When she was born, she failed the car seat test, but she, and she was underweight. But the first few weeks, oh, she's just a small kid. Almost a month old, kind of had some slight seizure. We weren't sure what it was, but at two months old, she had a clear seizure. And we were at the hospital downtown, and we won't get into which one and all that, but they said, well... You know, sometimes the brain figures a way around things. So let's give her a seizure medication, put her on phenobarbital. And it worked. Tori's seizure stopped, but she also had no life because she wound up sleeping for basically three months straight. Uh, And when we met you, June of 2006, I guess she was five months old at the time, you said, uh, just tell us about the – it's a tricky thing. I know you have respect for them for seizures, but what did you – remember what you told us about that whole scene and that approach? Yeah, I think I think the first thing uh, you were talking about the how the Family Hope Center you know kind of differentiates is that you before when we first saw you, your knowledge of her seizures, your knowledge of what it really was, your knowledge of understanding her brain was very small, and everybody else was taking the major role. But we wanted to do was we wanted to put you at the table and really bring you into a lot of knowledge about how the brain works, so that the, so that the mysticism of the brain would disappear the clarity of how it works as a functional organ and how you can do really some really basic things to help it develop and grow. And we were telling you that the seizures that she was having in her brain was in response to the injury. It wasn't causing the injury, but it was a response. It was like a fever in the brain. And so you have a fever to counteract an illness. You have a seizure to counteract an imbalance within the brain. And once we showed you that, and once we showed you how we could you know, in a very natural way, um, reorganized her brain, um, her seizures began to disappear. And you were in the driver's seat now, and we were in the passenger seat helping you. We were like your GPS. You were willing parents, you were ready to hunt, and we explained things to you, and that's what we wanted. We would explain things to parents, so we take the mystery out of it, we take the mysticism out of it, we take the superstition out of things. We take confusion out. We take frustration out. And frustration comes with knowledge. It shifts to yeah. knowledge. Knowledge shifts to hope. Hope shifts to changing uh, yourself and changing your kids. So, and along the way, we were able to demonstrate to okay, here's where her injury is. It's presenting this. It's causing this. If we do this, 
we can organize your brain, and the seizure does not need to occur. Yeah. And she has done miraculously well, and we're able to, you know, with our doctors, you know, and a lot of a lot of paying attention, was able to detoxify her of all medications, right? Seizure free. So you know, but you were in the middle of that, and clearly part of that whole process. So that was fantastic to teach you and support <laughs> her at the same time. Matthew Newell, the director of the Family Hope Center, kind enough to check in from Denmark. He has been walking alongside with us, as has the team at the center since Tori was. Five months old, she turns 13 tomorrow on the eve of this momentous occasion. Wanted to recap a little bit. The difference, and Matthew just spelling it out there, was, was a big word in power. It gets thrown around a lot, but that's what you're doing, helping take away a lot of the uh, the, the seizure's not the problem. It's a manifestation of the problem, for example, mm-hmm. and all that. Another mm-hmm. so, so, as you say, after several months of gradually weaning her off her meds and ramping in a program designed to proactively help her, after, and we were praying for, along the way, but several months into that, her seizures stopped, her medications were gone, and uh, the last 10, uh, 13 years now have been almost completely seizure-free, and it's been very, very exciting. And, you know, her brain scans changed. She had, she had some really yeah. rapid brain scans, yes. probably microgeria, and her brain transformed. You know, the brain grows by use. It grows with stimulation, but sometimes... When, when a child is hurt, there's this kind of confusion, and then everything comes to a halt. We end up managing the brain as opposed to restoring it. And uh, you were able to really proactively gain some neurological reorganization through some, you know, things you did at home and things we taught you and things that you got a lot of support with. Yeah. And uh, her brain scans changed. Yes. That? Yes, I do. I do. In fact, when we went back to the yeah. doctor late that year in 2006, they said, her polymicagria is all gone. And, uh, <laughs> and that doesn't happen. No. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. No. Polymicagria is just too many folds in the surface of the brain, and that was the source of her seizure. So, uh, but you just said something that leads me to a, the second of three things I want to ask you about or kind of remember looking back on the eve of her birthday. I'm thinking about her life. She was functionally blind. Uh, it basically, mm-hmm. you know, she had very limited vision. And, and then at six months, when Tori almost passed away, uh, kind of unexpectedly, just that we were on a camping trip. She just kind of looked like she got unplugged and she was just shutting down. Um, after that happened, you could swatch her hand at her eyeballs. She wouldn't blink. And you could scream in her mm-hmm. ear and she wouldn't move. It was just like she was just kind of there, vacant. And you just mm-hmm. mentioned about frequency and dealing with the root root of that and rebuilding the pathways. Like her eye wasn't injured, but the path from her eyeball to her brain, you were teaching us that part isn't fully formed. But good news is you can do something about it. Right, you can stimulate it with frequency, intensity, and duration. And you know, the average therapist can't do that. They don't have the time and they don't have the ability to be there all, you know, throughout the day. But we taught mother how to be an engineer, a visual engineer. And, you know, in just, uh, I think it was about a year, she had really good light reflex. She began to see outlines. And now she can read. Um, you know, folks will turn and say, why? You have blindness to reading. And, is that a miracle? And the good news is, Tim, as you know, from being around the Common Hope Center, is it's not a miracle. In one way, it's um, frequency, intention, duration, knowing where to target the stimulation, having patience, kindness, and love. And usually, you know, if love would have fixed your child, Tim, she would have been done, you know, in 15 minutes because <laughs> your love was... But you, what you did was you proactively took your love into you know, kind of an engineering therapeutic pathway, and you were able to stimulate a visual pathway, you and mommy and brothers and sisters and 
and her brain began to respond to that stimulation. Yeah. And she began to have a light reflex, which leads into seeing outlines, which leads into details, which finally leads into being able to to read. And she can read now. And what a pleasure it is to see her do that. And I remember the first time Tina was gasping, like, oh, my gosh, there it is. There's the light reflex. Finally, the brain is responding. And, you know, yeah. the brain responds with stimulation, and you're able to, you know, bless her with that. Well, that's one of the phrases we're chatting with Matthew Newell, mm-hmm. the director of the Family Hope Center, checking in from Denmark today, uh, where it's uh, close to 11 o'clock at night, but kind enough to do this. And um, you mentioned frequency, intensity, and duration. And without explaining it all, the, the, you gave us basically, you taught us a light therapy that was designed to work her eyeball out so that just like the rest of us, if you turn the light on in the middle of the yes, night in the bathroom, stimulation, right, right. your pupil contracts and dilates then, over and over and over again. We did thousands of repetitions, but then one day I leaned in and my hand was near her face and she blinked. I was like, what was that? And then she bl- I did it again and again and again. I was like, she's seeing something. Her vision wasn't great, but she could actually see something coming at her. And what is it exactly. called? Startled a threat. Like if something comes at you, you, you would blink. Uh, yeah. So what we do is we take a normal pathway and we just put a lot more time into it. Just like you can teach a child to play a lot, you know, really good baseball by taking them out and practicing a lot. They need your children. As long as you know where the injuries hurt, where the brain is, the medulla, the pons, the midbrain, the cortex, the cerebellum, the limit brain, you have to target where the brain is. And we, we were able to target that with you. We were able to demonstrate to you and say, Tim, if I were you, I would do this. And talk about a therapist. I, I can teach you to be me, and and you did that, and you took a normal path, you took a pathway that kids develop normally, and you just accelerated it, uh, and um, yeah. you fed her really good food, and you made sure that she was healthy, and you put her to bed on time, and you had a good routine, and, and you patiently developed a pathway that everybody thought was not possible. Meanwhile, her seizures decreased to zero, and she began to hear and recognize sounds and began to recognize your voice. So the whole brain kind of grew simultaneously, like lights coming up at nighttime in New York. And you were the orchestrator, <laughs> you and your wife, of that neurodevelopment, which was really, really wonderful to watch. I know it's late for you. Do you have a chance? We have a short break to take. Can you hang on just for about two or three minutes? Sure. Then, okay. Very good. Well, let's take a short break. Up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get yourself a, a little something, a little coffee, whatever. Matthew Newell, the director <laughs> of the Family Hope Center, is with us. We'll continue our conversation with him. I have one more thing I want to share. Uh, Matthew has been extremely instrumental in his wife, Carol, and the whole team at the Family Hope Center. You can find out more about him online, familyhopecenter.com. We'll chat a little bit more, not just about Tori, but I actually want to help expand on this just a little bit. So anyone listening who has a child with different challenges, could be ADD, dyslexia, maybe don't even know. You just know certain things aren't quite right. Just to understand a little bit how this place could be of help to you. Uh, they've been life-changing for us, and on the eve of our daughter turning 13 tomorrow, coming a long, long way. I uh, just wanted to have the opportunity to have Matthew on, and he's kind enough to call in all the way from Denmark right now. Back in just a moment, AM 560 WFIL, WFIL.com. Live and local. It's the Tim DeMoss Show, weekday afternoons 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. Our podcast continues. It's 448 in the Tim DeMoss Show, AM 560 WFIL, WFIL.com. If you enjoy the program, feel free to tell a friend and also catch the podcast at WFIL.com. Put all the shows up there within an hour or so of the uh, program being done. Bringing back in now Matthew Newell. He is the director of the Family Hope Center. He is in Denmark right now, but typically based in Norristown, although 
typically is maybe not the right word because Matthew's all over the place. You guys are going to be in South Africa coming up in a week or two, and you've yeah, been all over. In about two and a half weeks, we'll be about February 8th. We fly down to South Africa to teach, uh, teach parents on mastery of the brain. You know, a three-day conference. We sit with parents, and we teach 30 hours of information in three days about how the brain grows and what can you do to support your kids and how to, how to actively, as a family, you know, make this, uh, make these decisions and, and stand on your feet and be healthy about it and, and uh, informed. And um, as Thomas Jefferson said, we want to inform your discretion by education. And, and uh, Tommy's going to learn. They want to be part of the hunt. They want to they understand the brain. So we're going to go down there. We're going to teach and see many children. And we'll be back in Philadelphia in the beginning of March. And then we have a parent training in the middle of March that we teach in all the Americans. Yeah. On, Although on you have people come from other countries too, right? Sometimes uh, folks will come from other. Well, countries. normally in six or seven countries. Yeah, you, you've been there. Six or seven countries will be represented. Five or six states will be represented, and uh, yeah. kids who are in a coma, kids who are blind, deaf, and paralyzed, and have seizures. And, but there's the kids that are struggling with reading, writing, and arithmetic. Tim, kids that are two or three years behind their peers. Kids that have, you know, social issues. They can't. They can't. Uh, Make friends. They, they don't understand how to make friends, or, or kids that who can't walk, and, and kids are the whole spectrum of neurological reorganization. If you took all the labels away, would be parts of the brain are injured. If the brain was like a computer and your hard drive, parts of the hard drive are not functioning successfully. How could we uh, naturally, in a healthy manner, um, restore parts of the brain? And um, that's what we teach parents. So kind of the labels disappear because they're irrelevant. It's parts of the brain that we're trying to work through, and we just teach parents. And uh, we coach. We're like life coaches for the brain, GPS for the brain for parents yeah. from 35 different countries. We've been doing it for nearly 40 years. Our daughter, uh, Tori. Uh, on the website. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, well, and, and the know, reason and, you're kind enough to join us, uh, this is just the, uh, the personal aspect of things, you know, despite you're, you're already serving lots of families in Denmark right now and had a long day, clinical and all that, but you took time because, you know, we walked together for many years and Tori, uh, mm. we brought her to you. Uh, God provided that connection, which is another story, another time, but it was, uh, you know, it's been almost all of her 13 years. And one of the things early in, in our story with her, uh, the third of the three things I wanted to just kind of give folks examples of how the Family Hope Center has helped us and how you have is the um, the feeding tube that she had. But she was underweight, and we, she had an NG tube, you know, through her nose in the early days. And after a while, she wasn't gaining any weight. And the talk with the, the doctors were like, well, maybe put a G tube in her stomach and, and, and see if that will help and go that direction, which uh, to which you, you were like, well, that's not really the issue. The issue is her mobility. Because when she crawls, that that's going to help govern her mouth muscles, right? I mean, tell remember, mm-hmm. remember that mm-hmm. whole conversation. It was a lot of work because she has scoliosis to get her to crawl and then to have that happen. But that, you, yeah, I mean, you, combat crawling for all infants governs the ability for the tongue to swallow and chew. Governs all the neck muscles. Governs your ability to focus. Governs your ability to sleep. Governs your ability to you know really track with your eyes side to side. So swallowing and chewing and all that. So we. We did some crawling with her, and we developed the natural pathway for her to swallow and chew. And we stimulated the inside of her mouth with oral stimulation, and we developed her breathing. And soon she was able to swallow and chew food. And we were able to, you know, not need the G-tube. We were able to naturally develop that pathway because it's you and your family. And, 
you know, being able to eat through the mouth is such a glorious thing for children. And um, it's great for digestion, great for the metabolism of the food, obviously, and just sticking it right into the stomach. So it's healthier. And, and you hung in there with us, you know, and now Matt, sometimes people want to just manage it, oh, they can't do this, so let's just put YouTube in. And, you know, obviously YouTube can be wonderful for many, many, many children. But, you know, when it was a moment we can intervene and say, hey, not this time. Let's be a little bit more patient with the brain. Let's see if we can work around this. Yeah. And before long, she was able to chew and swallow. And that was, I mean, I, I remember your your daughter feeding her. It wasn't just mom. <laughs> That's true. Your daughter, uh, you know, Tessa was feeding her at one point and having just, you know, feeling like a big sister. Um, and Tori enjoying that. Yeah. You know, my big sister feeding me. So, well, and for those listening in, just the context, really, I mentioned Tori's neurological you know, blindness and her feeding tube and uh, uh, seizures and other issues and challenges she had. But just to let folks know, uh, Matthew, what, it wasn't like we went to Matthew and said, she has this problem, this problem, this problem. What do I do? ABC, like we're getting a prescription. There were tools you gave us, but your entry point, really the funnel, if you will, for anyone who's perhaps interested, would have to do with the... Uh, the brain in general, how it operates. And then right, you start to discover. Let's understand it. Yeah. 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 Matthew, it's if you gonna... understand the brain and you understand the principles, you can really be proactive. Yeah. Thank you for all you've done. Please thank Carol and the staff there. And we'll be thinking of you very much as we celebrate Tori turning 13 tomorrow. Pleasure. Hello from Denmark, everyone. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a pleasure to talk to all of you and blessings to everyone. And, and uh, big hugs to Tori for her 13th birthday, Tim. Amen. Thanks, Matthew. All right. Catch you You're later. You're welcome. All right. All right. Bye, bye, bye for bye now. Bye. Matthew Newell, the director of the Family Hope Center. More info on them, familyhopecenter.com. They have a conference coming up in Pennsylvania March 13th through the 15th. That's a Wednesday through a Friday. Details on their site about that. I'm happy to talk with anybody about it because it's been a big blessing. A lot of work. Not trying to make it sound like a quick fix. A lot of work, but it made a lot of sense. Short break. We'll wrap up here in just a second on AM560 WFIL. It's the Tim DeMoss Show. Thanks for tuning in. Have a guest you'd like to hear on the Tim DeMoss Show on AM560 WFIL? Email D at WFIL.com. Coming down the home stretch here with a thank you to Dan Bartkowiak from the Pennsylvania Family Institute. Checking in the first half of the program on the anniversary of Roe v. Wade, also today being National Sanctity of Human Life Day. Also to Matthew Newell, the director of the Family Hope Center, calling from Denmark as a part of a celebration as we get ready to celebrate the birthday of our daughter, Tori. Tomorrow turns 13. Matthew and the team have been instrumental in helping her. Uh, overcome a lot of the special needs and challenges, and we still have a lot more ground to cover, but we're grateful for that. Podcast of this show and other shows available at WFIL.com. Turn things over now to Jim Maxim, Acts 413 Ministries. We'll lead in prayer next, followed by Truth for Life, WFIL. Thanks for listening to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. Feel free to tune in to the full show each weekday afternoon from 4 to 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.